down. Get a hold of yourself. Calm down. Now get back to your seat. I'll take care of this. Calm down. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. Doctor, you're running on the phone. Everything's going to be all right. Please. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, April 2nd, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I was trying to open my chat there on the side and I lost my page for a second, so sorry for the delay. But... That's an interesting opening to start with, I would say, because it's a little bit lighthearted, which we don't always tend to do, especially in the openings, because we deal with a lot of really severe, harsh topics, don't we? But it's just so exactly how this is really going. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everything on, for those on the podcast, it's, it's, a, it's a clip from Airplane showing them coming and dealing with that lady and shaking her and going, oh, I'll take care of it, then shaking her again. And every person shaking her has a different name, Ukraine, COVID-19, Will Smith, you know, the different things that are distracting. And, and her label is the collective consciousness of the people. And each one of them is distracting her from, you know, and the idea is that this is what these things are doing. And the Will Smith discussion, all these different things, which I made a joke about, which we should be making a joke about, that was very clearly used to manipulate and distract people, whether or not it was organic or staged or whatever, all the conversations are just really irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. It's obvious how this has been used. And everybody's been dissecting this and people are having in-depth conversations about how this person did this and here's what her her it's just it's there are some potential interesting things in there but it's just pretty unbelievable how obviously these things grab our attention and they get used and we're being distracted every single day now yesterday is my birthday and the reason i people always ask me so i have tended to go do a show on my birthday i wasn't actually planning on doing it today and it's just you know i'm just honored honored to be here with you all on my birthday. I look forward to it. And it's like every other show. I mean, these things, these, the show itself can weigh on you day in, day out with all the terrible things. But I look forward to coming here and, and being in this discussion with you all because I, it, I value it a lot and I respect you all quite a lot for your objectivity and for everything else that you've put forward and the information that you give to me. So why I do it on my birthday? Because it means a lot to me and so do you. So Let's get into this. There's only I this uh, was pl- I was planning to, for this to be a little bit of a shorter show. It didn't might not pan out that way, but I'm going to do my best because we do have things that there are people waiting for me out there for for birthday stuff. So let let's get into this. I want to start off with first of all that clip and, and shout out to. I don't believe this person made the clip, but you can see the person's tag on the video. So shout out to whoever made this, and I appreciate the the humor around it. And sometimes it is good to, you know, be a little bit lighthearted. Not all the time being as serious as we have to be, right? It's important to to reflect, even on some serious topics, right? We do still have good in our life. There are a lot of good people out there, a lot of love and a lot of insight. And I do believe that's most, quite honestly. We, just like everything else, like people right now think everyone's buying Ukraine. I still, I don't believe it. As much as I still fall into that sometimes. I think it's just like COVID-19. I think people are going, well, 
I'm, I'm quite aware of how obviously you've tried to lie to us through COVID and even the wars before that. So now we're going to stand back and be a little more skeptical. But the media screams at you what they want you to think is happening. I don't believe everyone's buying this. I really don't. Now, I want to give a, sh- a huge shout out. And this is actually the reason why I didn't do this show yesterday. Derek put out a really outstanding article yesterday called While You Were Distracted by Will Smith, the International Elitists Met at the World Government Summit. And this is really important to understand. That this is a huge deal. And what's most incredible about this is they're not even hiding what they're doing, guys. You can call it a think tank or whatever you want. But the moment you look back through history and recognize everything they continue to tell you is the next step ends up being the next step and all the governments are involved, you should have to start st- stop pretending this is some kind of discussion being had by people that have no influence over what's going to happen. They're influencing, in fact, driving the policy. This is what is happening. It's not a secret. And it's they're all involved. And you can show the, the world economic, the, the young global leaders and all these different connections. And you know what? I can go ahead and tell you that I, I'll go ahead and state that's it might be. They're not in direct con, uh, direct. They're not in. The, they're not the ones directly c- driving the policy. They're influencing it, and you could. I, I'll give you that. I don't agree with that, but nonetheless, is it not alarming to see these very, very powerful, influential technocrats essentially deciding in real time, open forum, what you're going to have to do tomorrow? I mean, it, we just. It, it, there's no way to look at this and not stand back to go and. and even if you believe it's for good things and they want to do good things, it's still it's still circumventing what we've always believed is our rights, our democracy, whatever we want to pretend we're living under. And the point is, of course, it wasn't just Will Smith, a lot of other things happening. But yes, that was used and incredibly well, because I, I mean, people were talking about this in my in inner circles, discussing these things as I was talking about. About how she doesn't really do this and how it's more about her personal life. I'm not even talking about like the conspiratorial side of it. Just people that are invested in the in the next thing Fox News or CNN tells them they're supposed to think about. Just immediately buy into this and have waxing intellectual about the dynamics of Chris Rock and Will Smith. And I'm going, you guys were just talking about Ukraine. And yes, you were talking about wrong things about Ukraine. But yeah, you just get swept into Will Smith. And it shows you that they're just being led by the nose. That's what it shows you. Whatever they tell them to talk about next, they'll talk about next. Like it's the most important thing in history. That's what they do. This is important because these people met at what's called the World Government Summit. (laughs) The World Government Summit. And yes, they literally talk about the narrative. What is the longer term narrative that they're going to be pushing? And they even don't forget Derek's outstanding article about what they literally call the great narrative. And it's amazing. That's actually what this is called. You can look at it right there on the meeting front. The great narrative. And this is what they discuss as they're planning what the narrative will be for the next push. Oh, the next push that's totally not planned and they're not totally. Why would they go through all this effort with all these world leaders about the next step if that wasn't what the next step was going to be? I mean, it's just childish to pretend like that's not what's happening. They're planning the future. They're not voted in. Why? Because they're taking this from you right now because they feel that they have just enough momentum from COVID and whatever else to push this forward. And of course, he's sitting next to the wildly democratic and completely all about sustainable and equitable futures, the United Arab Emirates, right? A group that's been aggressively called out for their human rights violations right up until today. But yeah, but they're the ones leading this. They are the number two partner in this, according to Klaus Schwab, in leading the Great Reset and making a sustainable, equitable future where there's no racism and everybody's happy, right? How does that make sense, guys? They're openly authoritarian. It's as stupid as pretending the U.S. government's fighting for democracy and freedom while their key chief ally in the region they claim they're doing it is Saudi Arabia. It is absurd. And you all know that, I think. 
So I think end of the day is people are choosing to pretend that's what most people think because it's politically advantageous for them. So speak up and let them know that they're wrong and you don't think that. Read this for yourself. It's absurd how this is happening at such fast pace, such real-time information. But very important article going very far right now. So I hope you guys will check it out. And of course, here's something that I just laughed about. This I don't even know who this person is, but we got a large following. Uh, 12,000, not huge, but it says, all right, I've now seen some evidence to change my tune on the slap. <laughs> really? Seems like there are some real strange, inter- and of course, look, I'll even be first, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Then you, when you actually dive into the story, you're like, yeah, okay, maybe. It was strange that maybe he didn't put his hands up, or strange that maybe it looks like they planned it. Who cares? I mean, it matters to a small degree, but when we're looking at these larger agendas, that that is ridiculous. It's like the story itself was put there to distract you. Whether or not it was planned, whether or not Pfizer has an alopecia drug that, and, they, and they sponsor the Oscars. I mean, I, look, it, it could be as simple as something as that they made that conversation that the, I mean, I don't, I, you know what, I'm not even going to jump into theorizing around this because it's a waste of time. The bottom line is there's interesting things here, but it has consumed people's conversations. This self-described conspiracy theories and unpopular culture, that's garbage. This guy's discussing it as a conspiracy, my, in my opinion, if he's talking about this, He's the fake conspiracy theorist that they try to frame us as, right? Not what the real people who are actually diving through narratives and picking out the facts are. One last point on this. I found it really interesting that when I'm trying when I was trying to search for the great narrative article, because I wanted to link it while I was going through and copy editing this article before it went live, I found something very strange. And it's not strange. It's expected. It's under censorship. But when you look for this, either by literally quoting exactly what this article says, which you'll find in all sorts of articles, many of which don't cite that it comes from the last American vagabond because that's the way the world works today. And no one's going to care about that unless it was mainstream, ultra high narrative stuff, right? But look what doesn't pop up, whether you search for the exact in quotes verbiage or literally the great narrative entire title, you don't see the last American vagabond. Interesting, right? I mean, you get the activist post, which is good. I'm glad they're showing up at least. They're, that's them reposting our content. But why not TLAV? Even even better point. And I love activist post. Why them and not us? Because you wouldn't you think we're in the same category, right? My opinion is just, it, it's simply because I think it's the level, and in no way meant to say this negatively, not that it, I, any post, activist post, in my opinion, is a very highly, I respect that, that, that outlet. The reason I say that, my second comment was going to be because of how I think they perceive us, not activist post, but the world at large. I think they don't want people looking at our content, in my opinion, because we're objective. Again, not to say that Activist Post isn't, that's not the point. Because we are holding ourselves to a really high standard in regard to, people disagree with that, but it's the way I look at James Corbett and the same idea. And why, why there's, a, there's a level of objectivity, at least an effort to be so, which is completely independent of the two-party paradigm, and I think that's what it really is, that they're afraid of. People, even high-level people in the independent media that are right alongside of us knocking down the narratives of COVID-19, it's weird that they will talk about similar things, even talk to people in my circle, but not ever talk or continue to interview or discuss things with me or people. some of the people in T-Lab. I think it's because of a point of concerns for partisanship. Just my opinion. But remember, Google has been openly censoring us. We did an entire cover on that, on that leaked story that came out from an insider from Google that showed our name. This was years before COVID, blacklisted. So we know that's the reality, but you won't find it. Here's actually one place that shows you were blacklisted on a couple of places. The bottom line is 
make sure that you reach out, as I always say, and go directly to our website to subscribe via email. Reach out directly on our P.O. box. Give me give me information in case we ever go seriously dark. Not us, but, you know, where things are going so we can still connect. Maybe it goes to the point where we're sending out a daily e-literal mailer. The point is I'm not going to stop doing this. And they will come after us in every possible way. I mean, like I said a moment ago, even plenty in the independent media sort of like distance themselves from us because of that. And you know what? I don't even blame them for it. I think the point is we need to continue to fight this and connect. Otherwise, we will lose each other. And I've, I've been saying that for a while. Yeah. Somebody, I just saw Chris Hedges, same thing. I mean, this, this has been coming, guys. If you think someone like Chris Hedges, like if you would have discussed this, maybe let's say, go back to a really quick point back when anti-media will censor it a while ago. Nobody cared back then. I mean, everyone cared. The point is a lot of independent media were real quiet about it because they were afraid to be censored too. Not us. We screamed about it. We pointed at it. We said, that's crazy. That's wrong. Because Carrie Wedler and anti-media, specifically Carrie, I respect a lot, were outstanding. Outstanding. One of the best online, in my opinion, at the time. And they got censored, kicked off the internet. And as far as I can tell, they never really got a big resurgence in regard to the anti-media. Now, they still, Carrie still does her work all over the place. But if you would have pointed back then and said somebody like Chris Hedges would be removed, people would have laughed at you, right? Because Chris Hedges is very respectable and very, you know, sources material, you know, whatever. Well, here we are. It will come for everybody. And the people that were afraid to talk with us or associate with us because we were unafraid to call that out, they're going to come for you too. That's the point. Great article from Robert Inlakesh about other things happening in Israel. Third attack inside Israel in seven days. Why are Palestinians taking up arms? Read it for yourself. It's really important to understand what's really going on and how these people are fighting. It. And the bottom line, as I always go to, it's an occupied territory. Therefore, by international law, by definition, have the right to armed rebellion. That's not if they're attacked first, period. If they have, if they are, if have the right to armed rebellion, period. Then, and of course, if Israel attacks first, then even more so. The bottom line is that's that's Geneva Conventions, that's the United Nations, that's never changed. So now when we look at this, and then when all you hear from the Western press is a uh, rise of terrorism in Israel where they're being attacked, okay, what happened right before that? As always, the same thing they try to spin back at us, but it's very clear. There's been Palestinians attacked left and right for a while now in this context since Ukraine started when nobody's talking about it. And so when these people get fed up to the point to where their families are getting killed in front of them, to the point where they just decide to take violent action against anybody that's ta- – I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to justify violent action ever, but you can understand why it's put to a point to where – you're watching your family get murdered and you get called a terrorist. I'm not surprised people would act out. My point is this is the part of the story you're not seeing that Robert has continued to cover for you. So please check it out. On top of that, we had an outstanding roundtable with Eva Bartlett, Vanessa Bealey, and Alex Thompson. Just really, really insightful. False flag, psyops, and propaganda, what you're not being told about Ukraine. And it's not just about the Azov Battalion part of this. I mean, this goes deep into the history, but everything you're not being told about Donbass long before this started. People like Eva Bartlett being on the ground, being there before this started, trying to get people to pay attention. Nobody wanted to. Important. Now, starting off with a couple of quick points in regard to, I guess, I don't know what you would frame this as, the fake reality of the the behind the scenes. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, as I always like to call her, plans to depart the White House in the coming weeks. Well, what a shock. You mean like literally every other press secretary that's ever been there since the last 10 years? I shouldn't say that. I know that there's, that's, not, that's not true. There's plenty that have stuck around. But it's really interesting. I've been making this point. How many of these press secretaries, they're in the worst position ever. 
nobody who, if they understood what they were going to have to do and, and deal with, would ever want this position ever, in my opinion, unless it's a stepping stone. But even then, you get ripped apart. You get drugged under the bus. You get thrown under the bus. You get attacked. You get disparaged because you're in a position where all you do is lie and obfuscate. Anybody who's going to be honest will know that. If it's on the other side of the paradigm and you're stuck in the paradigm, you'll you'll call it out then. But if it's on your side, you'll go, no, that doesn't happen. Sort of like there's no such thing as election meddling until we other side and go there. It's been happening forever. You mean only when you want to point at it? Yeah, exactly. Election meddling happens every election on all sides, every single time, if you're going to be honest. And when you have these people that step down, you know why? Because they're tired of being attacked for the thing they know they're doing, lying to you. It wears on them. And I think that unless they're complete sociopaths, you can see it in their faces. Now, I forget the one blonde girl's name. I mean, you could see it in her eyes. Every time she was just worn down because you're just constantly lying. Now, the point secondary is that Jen Psaki is going to join MSNBC. <laughs> oh, weird. You mean the point some people made online is so she's going to do the exact same job and just get paid more for it. Right, which is lying and obfuscating. That's what they do. But don't miss the ridiculous side. She's, it's not like she just got done. She's in the middle of her position, stepping down and joining Western, Western mainstream propaganda press. That shouldn't be surprising to you at all. Because they're the same thing. And of course, the Babylon Bee, Chen Psaki walks back her claims that she ever worked for Biden administration. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well put. Now, to start with the COVID thing in general, this is just such an important thing to recognize right now. I've been seeing a lot of people kind of floating this out, and I agree. I mean, we could have said this six months ago, to be quite honest, but let's be real about this. As I say in this clip, and I'll play it next, the COVID PSYOP has been exposed, full stop. I'll keep exposing it, like I'll do today and, and every other point I can, but just recognize that this is about as far as genuine exposing goes in a top-down, entirely controlled society like we live in. Just consider 9-11, JFK, or any number of examples I could give you right now. The truth is right there if you care to look at it. We're never going to really know more about 9-11 unless something dramatically shifts. Or JFK, for that matter. You know how many times they want to dangle this? We're going to release the full files and it never happen. It's because they want to dangle that in front of you and act like they gave you more when they never do. And you're never going to get the full story. But we, need, we have enough. We don't really need much more to really understand it. We do when you want to pull put people in prison, but to understand that your government was completely and entirely involved with the act and the cover-up of 9-11, or the fact that the Israeli government was involved, or the fact that in JFK we know our government was involved. We know these things, guys. It's not even a thing secret. These things are written down, documented, verifiable stuff. And I'm not talking about like the actual act to the point, but the, the idea that we can prove that they were aware of things, prove that they were involved with certain things around the periphery of the conversation, and they lie about those things. So when you walk away, we have to go, okay, they lied to us. How many times have you heard me say this? That's not that I'm happy that that's where it resolves, but we, as long as we can all agree we were lied to about COVID-19, that's a good place to start. Listen to this clip. It's not, so, and as somebody else pointed out, if you've been watching the show, none of this will be new to you. This, this is old news right now. But for those that haven't, this should be shocking to you. For plenty of reasons. But this is the reality. And this is documented information. Evil. See no evil. Speak no evil. Section 22D2 of the Therapeutic Goods Act 1989 requires the Secretary of the Department of Health to ensure the quality, safety and efficacy of the vaccines were satisfactorily established 
for each cohort for which the provisional approval is being, guaranteed, is being granted. Data recently revealed in court papers in the United States clearly shows vaccine harm was apparent in the clinical trials that Pfizer, BioNTech and others conducted. Now, guys, that when he says apparent, this is literally what that means. Now, you can argue that the benefits outweigh the risk. That's exactly why they push that and they use emergency authorization, because that's the metric they have to beat. Even when they lie about it, by the way, that the benefit just barely outweighs the risk. And then that's all we have. Then we can say that. But by the way, that's not even actually true when you dive into it. But even then, they have to lie just to get it to barely look like the benefits outweigh the risks. The point was, in this documentation, the one specifically he's pointing at, but on top of that, plenty even before this, their own documentation made it very clear that there was obvious risk. Now, that's all you need to know. You can push in whether or not this for certain people in certain age groups. Yeah, that's because it comes down to choice. If there's risk, there should be choice. Well, there should always be choice, but the point is in this context, if there's risk, you need to make your mind up about it, not be forced into it. They saw there was risk. They hid that from people. They put people out of the trials that were getting sick within the first 21 days, even though we now know that's when most of it happens. And so that's why they pushed it out. That's the first and most obvious aggressive cover up. But then even throughout the trials themselves, you saw people that continued to get sick and they acted like they weren't connected. They covered them up. They pushed them down. They told Maddie DeGarry that she had a stomach ache despite that she's still in a wheelchair. This is one of the most aggressive criminal covers up in cover ups in the history of the world, in my opinion. So when he says that you see this, they knew it. They knew it. This is not debatable. Now, people will want to say that who don't want to do their due diligence. This is, by the way, just one of my favorite things that keep happening. You make a comment, let's say, on Twitter or wherever else about how this has been proven or whatever else. Here's, you know, you can say this is what they said. Oh, yeah, prove it. Like, okay, so why is it my job to spoon feed you information? If you think it's fake, then don't you care enough to look it up and find out for yourself? But the point is, if I just, let's say you go, you know what, I'm not going to waste my time. They go, I knew it. You're wrong. So you're deciding that you know for sure that I'm wrong because I just don't give you the link or because I don't take the time to put you to give you something that you're then going to dismiss because fact check said, think about how ridiculous that is. All the, 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 the burden of proof is simply on, they will just pretend like it's all fake unless you prove it to them. But even when you do, they then point to a fact check that says that says that's fake for this reason. And you're still wrong. So they don't care about the facts in that context with those kind of people. That's not everybody, but just think about that. So this person's giving you this information. Someone's going to watch this video in that group, and they're going to go, oh, yeah, it's fake. Because he didn't give me anything. He just says it. How do I know? Well, you know how you would know? If you cared to look further to find out for yourself. But they won't, because they're happy to go, fake news. This information, if Atagi had bothered to ask for it, should have resulted in a refusal of the application for provisional use. No data was provided to the secretary regarding individual test subjects, technically anonymized patient clinical data. No independent analysis of the fundamental issues surrounding novel mRNA vaccines was conducted in Australia. None in Australia. None. Instead, the Secretary took Pfizer, AstraZeneca and Moderna's word for it. I will say that again. The Secretary took pharmaceutical companies' word for the safety of their products. I mean, he's going to go on to list exactly what I always do. But why, even without this next part, is that something that even makes sense to anybody? And this is exactly why they went out of their way to frame these very criminal, fraudulent companies repeatedly proven throughout history. We're philanthropic. They're doing this for you, 
right? It's all about you and safety and health. That's all they care about, despite the records and evidence and information that anyone can point to at any time. Don't even look at that. Don't trust your lying eyes. Fake news. They're here for you. Pfizer cares about you. And you have a thousand interviews with these CEOs about how we're fighting for you and freedom and whatever else. That's why that happened. Because they were taking them at their word. Because there was something bigger happening. Now listen to the reasons you shouldn't have taken their word. These are the same pharmaceutical companies that have been fined over and over for criminal behavior. AstraZeneca, you, 355 million US dollar fine for fraud and separately $550 million fine for making unfounded, unfounded claims about efficacy. I mean, think about how re clownishly ridiculous that is. And he's going to say the same for the rest of them. You, they're literally, literally fined multiple times right up until 2021 about lying about the actions of their drugs, lying about the efficacy of what they produce over and over, especially Pfizer. And then they come out with something that's novel, experimental, still being tested, emergency authorization, and we take their word for it. That is, that is, that's either insane or criminal. I mean, literally, there's the only two things I can make sense of there. Pfizer, $430 million fine for making unfounded claims about efficacy and $2.3 billion fine, billion dollar fine for making unfounded claims about efficacy and for proving and for paying kickbacks. This is who the That's otherwise known as bribing. And that is exactly what Pfizer's been doing in this entire process, as well as the rest of them. The Liberal, Nationals, Labor and Greens, a very own pharmaceutical lobby, wants to pay more money to. Not on the basis of extensive local testing and inquiry, simply on the basis of taking pharmaceutical companies' safety insurances. No testing. An assurance made easy by indemnity against any damage the vaccines cause. Wow. What deceit. What criminal incompetence. The Labor Party and the Liberal National Party have accepted $1 million each from the pharmaceutical benefit, uh, pharmaceutical establishment in this election cycle alone. Billions more are being set aside in this week's budget to pay the pharmaceutical companies to keep their COVID-19 gravy train going. Now, of course, when they speak up like this, and despite the evidence, despite the literal documentation in his hand and what he will show you, what I can prove... They'll call him a conspiracy theorist, right? They'll call him a conservative. Oh, what a white supremacist conservative extremist, right? That's how that will be framed. Now, why does that even make sense? Now, maybe they won't go as far as to literally say white supremacist, but we know that's how this tends to go. Well, who are the anti-vaxxers? Oh, of course, those extremist conservatives, right? That's that, why does that make sense? There's no connection there. Ah, but there is, though. Because this is a one and the same agenda that's happening in real time about the vanilla ISIS, white supremacist, domestic terrorism, Ukraine biolabs and all that. It definitely connects. You need no other example other than the fact that they try to label them as such just because they hold an opinion, which is backed up by the facts around the COVID narrative. The biological conversation, biological attacks, I mean, all this stuff can connect and you know it. And it is being pushed into connection. But this is just one of many. And by the way, this is just one person stating things. I've Everything he's shown you, we've proven to you on the show with documentation, either directly from Pfizer or the government or scientific peer-reviewed research. And that's exactly why we get censored, right? That's exactly why. Here's another one. Now, this is something that, uh, oh, that's strange. Hmm. Normally, when you share a video, it gives you the link to the person you shared it from. I don't know why that doesn't do it right now. I was going to give them a shout out. That's why I didn't have the other tweet up. Let me refresh it. 
Oh, there you go. That's weird. Okay, so here's the it came from Harrison four five four three 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 nine seven. Uh, made this and attached it to the other video. And I thought it was good. It's basically just a couple a couple clips from Peter McCullough. And I made the same point. The PSYOP, the COVID PSYOP has been exposed. Now, to be clear, by the way, guys, again, as I said before, that does not have to mean, it could mean, doesn't have to mean that literally everything was not true, right? There's plenty of this that could be used, whether, again, we the simple example to make, and I think this was 100% part of it, was the combination of flu and pneumonia and COVID and the numbers they gave you. I don't even know why that makes sense to anybody. Especially when you sell it to the, me- the the public through the media as COVID numbers. There's no differentiation there. There's no example where they say, well, this includes flu and pneumonia, which are gigantic. That's tens of thousands of numbers, at least as they said before. And they do right now, still on the COVID, on this, the CDC website. It's called PIC, pneumonia, influenza, and COVID. They combine the three things and they represent it as one number. So my point is, it could have been something that was there that they just misrepresent to something else combined with other things, false PCR test, right? Or it was completely caught made up from whole cloth as Denny Rancourt would tell you. And I, I think that's increasingly more valid. Regardless of how you see it, it has been exposed. There is lies coming out of the seams everywhere. All, and this is why they're just desperately pointing somewhere else right now. All the data needed to reveal the dangers of these injections, the suppression of alternate treatments, and the lies around the COVID risk itself are readily accessible should you care to look. Now, here's a clip of Peter McCullough saying a few things. Epidemiologist, and people have asked me, Dr. McCullough, are the vaccines actually causing the deaths? The epidemiological construct that we have to go through is called the Bradford Hill Tenets of Causality. So the first question is, is it a large epidemiologic signal? And I tell you, it's astronomical. All the vaccines combined in the United States per year, it's no more than 150 deaths, not temporarily related. Here we're at over 21,000 deaths. So clearly it's a massive signal. And on top of that, don't forget that they literally just tried to argue, and I'll go through this in a free, future show. It's, I mean, it's embarrassing. The, the ICAN, uh, Highwire and ICANN just came out with another report calling this out, claiming that not a single, not one, zero deaths are associated with Moderna and Pfizer. Zero. Can you believe that? I mean, the, the criminality of such a claim with what we know in front of us with, I mean, look, whether or not you want to call this person a conspiracy theorist and claim his life has been debunked somehow, it's just childish. This person has credentials. They're experts. So when him, he, along with plenty of others in the same field, the same credentials or some with some level therein, are seeing this. And showing you data to back it up, you can't just be like, that ni- That idea has been debunked, therefore I'm not going to look at it, because fake news. That is what children do. And a lot of adults these days have been turned into childish mentalities. But he is telling you that this is the fact, and they're telling you zero. I mean, guys, you can prove that is fake by their own assessments. Play, play, I mean, India, places around the world have openly stated we have a, de- a verifiable death caused by this. Or the people that, even McCullough points out, people that have never left the room they got the shot in. I mean, it's just so insulting to your intelligence to pretend zero. And I will go through that again. But let me finish this clip. Number two, is there a dangerous mechanism of action? The answer is yes. We know the vaccines have a dangerous mechanism of action. They install production of the spike protein. The spike protein is what makes the respiratory infection lethal. And it follows that in some people, 
excessive production of the spike protein in a vulnerable person would be lethal after a vaccine. Yep. The third criteria, is it internally consistent? Are there other conditions that are now acknowledged that they themselves could be fatal? And the answer is sure. It, with uh, myocarditis, our FDA agrees, all the regulatory experts agree that the vaccines cause myocarditis. Can it be fatal? Yes. On top of that, there's countries that have already came out. I think it was even the UK. One of the, uh, was it UK or Scotland? I forget. I don't want to misquote it. But there's been other countries that have come out and said, we do not and will not give these shots to children because of the obvious reality and the fact that they're at such low risk. I mean, non-existent risk. Zero. And yet in this country, we're, we're pushing the emergency authorization, even though we're not even an invalid emergency anymore, if we ever were. I don't think so that we should go even further, down to six months, down to zero. This is what they're currently pushing. How is that even possible? You, What are you going to call these entire other countries fake news conspiracy theorists? At some point, you have to realize that it's inconsistent at the very least, and that should be cause for pause at the very least. Maybe we're missing something. Nope. Ignore everything and as we rush this through. Yes, because science, right? Because safety. <laughs> Have there been fatal cases published? Yes. Uh, by Verma and Choi, as an example. Those are uh, publications. There are over 200 peer-reviewed publications of myocarditis. How about other forms of death? Vaccine-induced thrombocytopenic purpurea. Thromb as, as Dr. Bhakti said would be the thing, which he turned out to be correct. Of course, when they'll say about myocarditis as well, the vaccine didn't do it. The myocarditis did. Well, the vaccine caused myocarditis, but uh, it wasn't the vaccine. Therefore, zero. That's the kind of BS they're working to make a claim of zero. Thrombosis, blood clots, a stroke, hypertension, myocardial infarction, a variety of other lethal syndromes. There's over a thousand peer-reviewed papers published on fatal and non-fatal outcomes. So that criteria is met. So it's internally consistent. Is it externally consistent? So it's consistent with the yellow card system, the UDRA system, and the US VAR system. And finally, is it temporarily related? Yes, it's very tightly temporarily related. But it's all conspiracy theorists, right? Simultaneously working in unison around the world in all different countries to do the same thing and, and give you generally the same percentage of problems. Yeah, totally makes sense. No, that is the conspiracy theory. But of course, they don't need any facts to back that up. Yeah, we can completely back up what we're saying with facts, but we're the conspiracy theorists. You see how it works? It's all narrative and politics, guys. We have two separate analyses, one by Rose, one by McLaughlin, independent analyses, U.S. spares data. 50% of these deaths occur within 48 hours, 80% within a week. So I've just gone through the exercise. It is beyond any shadow of a doubt that the vaccines are causing large numbers of deaths. It's unequivocal. And I'm a card-carrying epidemiologist. I'm telling you, the vaccines are causing large numbers of deaths. Pretty hard to miss. But of course, he's fake news and his life's been debunked. So who cares, right? That's easy. Easy just to wash your hands of and walk away because you've got three things that are dangerous in your arm and you don't want to admit to yourself that you made a mistake. Time to wake up. Now, if you want more evidence, this has been debunked. Let's quickly go through this. I didn't plan to do this today, but I forgot this was there. And I'm just going to rattle these off for you really quickly for those that are still interested. I'm, I'm losing touch with whether you guys still find this to be rel as relevant as I do. <laughs> I find this to be monumental because it's the only place right now that's still consistently putting these numbers out, even though we know they're manipulating them. I know that, but it's still very relevant and we need to understand how important this is because it reveals to you the illusion. And it's de it's literally... Uh, dissolving in front of them. Every week this continues forward. That's why Scotland stopped it. I don't even know why they keep doing this. But let me do this reasonably quickly. Here's our breakdown yet again. As you know, for those that don't know or are new to this, we've been doing this every week. I mean, I can't even know how long it's been now. Let me know in the chat how long it's been. But we're on the, this is 
2022, week nine to week 12. As always, the new week is added on. So the week 12 is the new part of the data, but it's still a month report. Okay. And so they just, every week they add the next week and they continue the month report. So as of week 12, including for the month and the month before it versus the month before that, or rather the week, excuse me, that's getting confusing. Anyway, there has now been 1,553,609 cases. Unvaccinated, unjabbed, uninjected account for only 17% of all the cases. Like, because that makes sense, right? Well, you, they might try to pretend that's because, well, that's the percentage of people that aren't injected, but the problem is that it doesn't make sense with the rest of the data, right? They're a fraction of the problem, despite them being the only people that are supposed to be in danger, right? Their always argument is that, well, you have to factor in there's a larger group on this side versus that side, which is a fair point. But as we go through this, as always, it does not make sense when you compare the information. It shouldn't be, but go to the next point vaccinated account for 79% of all the cases. That's up from 78%. And as always, I keep showing you that the numbers continue to either stay the same or decrease in the injected, uninjected category, but consistently have been increasing on the vax side. And that's while the vax percentage is pretty much stalled. And I'll show you that as well as we go through this. So how does that make sense? Why would the risk continue to increase in pretty dramatic ways, by the way, as we go further into death, while the people that are supposed to be at the most risk aren't. No one will explain that. They just pretend we misunderstand something without telling me what exactly we misunderstand, right? Because that makes sense. But you can go back. I'll make this quick because I don't want to go too far on this. Now, the point is, this is a manipulation in my opinion. If you look at the numbers, every time I show you this, there's no way this makes sense. You right now, under 18, which, by the way, statistically speaking, is the least risk. I'm talking zero. One in a million chance of dying, according to Oxford Calculator, for those under 19. As even Alex Bernison was just recently talking about, even though, I mean, if you're a child at this point, your risk of even getting sick is basically zero, statistically speaking. So how is it possible that the vast majority, and here's the number breakdown, 74% of all the cases for unvaccinated or under 18, 74%, three-fourths of every case happening in the uninjected are the least risk people? Come on, that doesn't even make sense. You would have to explain that, that kind of an anomaly. And then look at the next number. You're telling me that, so people that are 17 and below are just exploding with cases, but the moment you turn 18, that goes away immediately, <laughs> down to basically a fraction of what was just that. Seriously? How would you even explain that? That's an anomaly. Now, you know what? I'll be fair enough and objective enough to say maybe there's something else that I'm missing, and that's always possible. But wouldn't we be like, wait a minute, why is this consistently representing three-fourths of the entire unvaccinated category in the lowest risk group every single month? Because that is how they tilt the scales and make this look like it's worse than it is. Or rather, looks like make it look less severe for the vaccinated than it really is. Because even with this manipulation, I'm still going to show you that the vast majority of the problem and the risk percentage are on the side of the fully injected doesn't make sense. That's up from 67%. It went from 67% to 74% from last week. Apparently the under 18s are exploding with cases and there's nothing that explains that. And especially if you think, well, it's a new variant. It must be hurting them. Well, no, because it does not translate into hospitalizations 
or even death in particular, which is the main point. And you can go back weeks and it's the same way. So it's not like if it was going to be a new variant, then it would have happened by now. It's not. Boosted alone accounts for 65% of all cases in the UK. Boosted alone. I thought the third shot or the fourth shot or the fifth shot was supposed to be the one thing that just made it all come together for them, right? Clearly not. Of course, they're going to say, well, it lowers their risk. Well, no, it doesn't. We'll go into that next. Hospitalizations and deaths are exponentially higher in just the boosted category. But in contrast to the under 18 point, over 80, and this is what I just can't get past, guys. These people are being murdered. I don't say that lightly. Over 80, just in the cases, that's this category right here. Over 80s, 91% of people over 80 that are getting sick are vaccinated. 91%. That's up from 86% last week. So if 91% of all the cases that are happening in this category are people that are injected, why are we still giving them an injection? Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. I mean, why wouldn't this be the category blowing up when it seemingly it's the lowest category, yet they're the highest risk and they're not injected? Explain that to me. I mean, sure, maybe they're being sheltered and in rooms. and say, But wait, that doesn't make sense because they were the ones that got the most sick in the beginning, all the ones that were crowded into these nursing homes. So you see, this doesn't make sense. There's inconsistencies, at the very least, that they're not addressing because it works for them right now. Going to hospitalizations, and you'll continue to see how this makes more sense. Same point. It gets a little bit less severe, but it's the same point. First of all, 20%, that's down from 21% from last week, of all hospitalizations in this time frame are uninjected. 20%. 80% of all the hospitalizations, 80%, up from 79%, from last week are people injected. So if you're going to pretend this reduces dramatically the risk of hospitalization and death, that's a lie because that's obviously not what's happening. You're ha- that is a higher percentage than the percentage of people vaccinated. 80% of all hospitalizations. Nobody wants to explain that. Now, under 18 accounts for 47% of all the unvaxxed hospitalizations. How is that possible if under 18 has the almost statistically insignificant risk of even being hospitalized? Because they're lying to you. Unless somebody wants to explain how I'm missing that somehow. Right? Again, I'll always, there is some, maybe some unknown that I'm missing. And that when I, I'm saying that, I'm being objective because that's possible. But if no one wants to address it, if I were a statistician or a statistician or anybody else in this field, I would be like, well, that doesn't make sense. There's an anomaly here that we keep putting out that nobody wants to address, but nobody's going to do that because that, imagine you take away that huge number, even in cases, imagine you take this away and it goes down to what it probably is, which is thousands or zero. Well, this would dramatically slant on the side of the injected and they can't do that. 47%, that's up from 45%. Now, boosted alone accounts for 65% of the hospitalizations, guys. 65%. If you've got three boosters, you're supposed to be good to go, yet you represent a majority of hospitalizations. That's up from 64%. Over 80, 96% of hospitalizations in this category are vaccinated. 96%. That's up from 87% from last week. If 96% of the people over 80 who are going to the hospital are people with injections, why aren't we recognizing what that shows us? Because there's more happening around this than just doing what's right for people. That is disgusting, guys. That is criminal. These people are being hurt. 
scapegoat and death. This is where it becomes the most obvious. First one is within 28 days. After 60, it gets even worse. 2,144 deaths, which, by the way, just take a brief moment and compare that to the cases and realize how low this really is right now. But, of course, they're going to argue that's because the injection's working, but we're not factoring in all the other deaths that are being caused by the litany of problems that are happening because of the injection, which nobody wants to address. Regardless. Oh, it's right here. This one, actually. Those are the cases for, for this month. 10%. 10% of all the deaths in this time frame were people that were uninjected. Only 10%. So if there's 75% of people injected, how do you rationalize that other 20 other 10% that on top of that? If they told you that only 10 that 90% of all the deaths of people dying what they claim is COVID-19 were going to be in the people that were injected, why would you take this? That's what's happening right now. I'm not again, we're not talking about percentages. Per 100,000, we're just talking about people dying. 90% of the deaths in this category, when they have 70-something percent of people injected, are people who are injected. Of course, now when we look at the deaths, even though, weirdly enough, they have the largest number of hospitalizations and cases, under 18 accounts for 0.04% of the deaths. So either they're magically getting sick and going to the hospital, which makes it means it's severe, and then somehow just never dying from it. Maybe there's some. Maybe it's because that's where it stops. But nobody wants to address why that doesn't make sense, especially when it, this didn't happen when Omicron started. It didn't happen when Delta was there. Suddenly now it just it's been happening. Now, boosted accounts for 73% of the deaths. That's up from 72%. 73% of all the deaths are in people that have all three shots like they were told. Good on you. Good dog. Over 80, 92%. 92% of deaths over 80 are people injected. So 96% of hospitalizations over 80 are injected. 92% of deaths in 28 days are injected. Sounds like a right thing you should be doing for your grandma, right? It's, it's, it's sickening to me that this is being allowed. I mean, just look at the numbers. I mean, it's just so stark and obvious that we're being deceived, deceived here. Last one within 60 days. 8%. Of the deaths, 8% are people that are injected, or uninjected, excuse me. 8%, guys, which means 92%, 92% of all the deaths within 60 days in this time frame were people with all of their shots. Of course, 0.004% are all the deaths under 18, because, yeah, that makes sense. Boosted alone accounts for 75% of all those deaths. Isn't this just despicable? I mean, there's no way to miss this. I don't know why people are, are still even posting this. This is where it gets even, this is the grossest thing to me in the entire process. 94% of all the deaths over 80 are vaccinated. 94%. And of course they go, well, they're old and they're dying from other things. Sure. But we'll fail to still make that rational argument about people that die from COVID before they get injected. If that's even what they died from, which is up from 93%. This is the most obvious, obvious example of why you're being deceived. It's just that obvious. Try to save this for next time. Now, going forward on this, guys, the wildfire letter newsletter, Kyle Becker points out that now that the pandemic is over, the CDC reveals just how many Americans have COVID immunity. Now, the point is they're admitting now that 95% of the country is immune. Of course, they just conflate that with being, you know, 
vax and natural immunity, which they don't even call natural immunity. They call, you know, disease. What do they say? I, you know, something different. Don't, and don't forget that they're, it, this whole time they've been going along this acting like, we don't know for sure. We don't even know if that exists. I still don't know why anybody honest ever pretended that made sense, which probably answers my question because <laughs> they weren't honest. You can't go from natural immunity being like an ingrained cornerstone of our, but then just suddenly go, we don't know. Wait, is that even real? That's a fake news conspiracy theory. And you don't just do that because now COVID is different, right? You apply the same medical and scientific logic to the, the thing we're dealing with next until shown otherwise. Of course, at the very least, you can say, well, we don't know, but that's not what they did. They literally called COVID natural immunity around COVID conspiracy theory. Dangerous, they said. But the point is here, they're conflating it and saying, well, because, because of the vaccine, just like we told you they would. But the real point is, if they're, if they're claiming, and I'm not saying this is true, but if they're claiming 95% of the population has natural immunity, explain for me why we need more shots. Didn't they say that was the end of it? Oh, because new variant. But wait a minute, that's not supposed to make sense. When we know that natural immunity especially has been shown to broadly continue to make immunity and t antibodies, T-cell, memory B for variants going forward. I've, I've done entire shows on this. They know this. They're just hiding it from you. The point is, they've always known this, guys. Always. And a new clip, of course, of Fauci has resurfaced where he's making this clear. Now, their main point here is going to be, well, he's talking about flu, you dumb conspiracy theorist. That's different. COVID's not the same. And that's the same kind of dumb, illogical argument they make that they tried to say when we talked about influenza-like illness in these studies, which has now come around to be COVID-like illness. <laughs> Oops, because it was always valid and always, it's not that this guarantees the same, but you use the science around it. And that's why they use influenza-like illness. You know, okay, well, COVID's not involved because it was after this. You do. You include it. You make the same analogies. And now we find out we were correct. And the same point here, when you're talking about a respiratory disease, what you're saying is the same, and you're even conflating flu cases with COVID cases, you understand the logic. Like the point being what he says here should have been applied. In any disease that we know of, and historically it has always been this way. And you simply go, well, we have yet to see this. But what they did was the opposite. They claim, they, they, they claim that we were liars. They claimed it was conspiracy theory. They claim that this is fake news. And even to this point, they still sidestep the conversation. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. Now, understand, he didn't say for flu. He just said in general. And that's the point. And this is what he meant. The best, because that, that was the standing idea, the logic. And it still is up until COVID warped everybody's brains that getting in sick and recovering, which of course comes with risk, right? That's the part. That's the, oh, well, that's too dangerous. You're, you're dangerous for suggesting that you get sick. We're not suggesting they get, go out and get sick. We're simply saying that you are not at much risk. So live your life protectively, you know, wash your hands, be safe. And if you should, God forbid, get sick, well, then you're not at high risk and you'll probably get better reasonably quickly. And then you'll have immunity for the rest of your life because that's the logic that getting sick and recovering is better than any vaccination. But the agenda took over and that was suppressed. And so she if, she get if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Next, if she really has the flu. Right. Now, what, now, what do you take from that, guys? What do you mean three times saying that with a little smirk? If she really has the flu. You know what? You know what that is? Admitting 
the same thing we're now saying that he says is Gray's dangerous misinformation, that they often conflate these things that we don't know for sure. Right. So when we say they're testing people for COVID, they're saying they have it for sure. And they will shout us down for saying anything else. Same point. Well, if he has COVID for sure, why don't we have that same kind of deviation in the COVID narrative? Well, you know why? Because it was about conflating the numbers to make it look like the way they wanted it to. Right. It, why, it's the same exact point. Just, I guess the question would be why he was willing to say it then. Could not get it again. No, she day. doesn't need it because the, it, it's the, doesn't need a flu vaccine. Next, if she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she day. doesn't need it because the, it, it's, the be, it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. Again, and he's, he wasn't saying that just in regard to the flu, guys, because that's always been the scientific logic. But it just changed now, right? Apparently so. Here's somebody posting that exact clip and then being censored for it. Check that out. They didn't say anything wrong. They literally quoted Anthony Fauci. The most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. Same, it's the same clip. Imagine that. So why would they censor it? Well, because this is something they don't want you seeing. I mean, there's no other way to misunderstand that. There's nothing else on this tweet. This is the way back machine. It's gone. Think about how silly that is. Because you're not allowed to say that because it's fake news, right? That's not true. Getting, a va- getting sick is not a vaccination. That's fake news. Well, he literally said it back then. So is Fauci wrong? Is he lying? Is he conspiracy theorist? It just, it's just it, this Twitter has decided these things are fake because the narrative is not what they've agreed to. Are we really going to pretend that they're now claiming that Fauci was wrong then? They're not going to say that. They're just pushing it out of the side because you're not allowed to have that narrative today. They're not, there's no scientific fact checkers deciding for them behind the scenes. They're going, that counters the narrative? Delete. Here's a, a video you can watch for yourself by Anomaly. I just wanted to play you the clip he includes in here that shows you them saying, this is just where I saw it first, of them before this. Or rather, excuse me, after this and saying it today, countering what he said before. Might be a little bit low, so turn up your volume real quick. And just, and just real quickly, um, there was a study that came out of Israel about natural immunity. And basically the headline was that natural immunity provides a lot of protection, even better than the vaccines alone. Um, how, what, are, what are people to make of that? So, so as we talk about vaccine mandates, there are, I get calls all the time. People say, I've already had COVID, I'm protected. And now the study says maybe even more protected than the vaccine alone. Should they also get the vaccine? How do you make the case to them? You know, that's a really good point, Sanjay. I don't have a really firm answer for you on that. That's something that we're going to have to discuss regarding the durability of the response. The one thing the paper from Israel didn't tell you is whether or not as high as the protection is with natural infection, what's the durability compared to the durability of a vaccine. So, oh, well, well, Fauci, I guess you just missed all the many different articles that we literally put up and discussed about that exact topic, right? Clip of Fauci Oops. talking about the. How about this one? Hey, look, that goes back to May 27, 2021. Well, that was after he, he was, that's, this was before him speaking right there, right? Had COVID, you'll probably make antibodies for a lifetime. Well, look at that. I guess he just missed that. And this talks about not just the antibodies, but the durability, the lasting, the, I mean, everything, everything. How about this one? Isn't this interesting that this one comes from, oh, wait, oh, yeah, right there. How about this? I guess Fauci missed that this was on his own platform, right? This is the NIH. Lasting immunity found after recovery. Wait a minute. How could he possibly not know that? You see how stupid and obvious this is? Guys, I could list off 17 more articles that all say the same thing. Lasting, durable, robust. Literally all of those things. Let me see if I get that one. Just by typing it in, I'll see what pops up. 
Oh, look at that. Natural immunity after COVID found durable and robust. Lasting immunity found for COVID-19. We must stop ignoring natural immunity. Durable and immunity effective. And guys, these are, this is the Lancet from 2021. So when he's over there, you know, equivocating, well, we don't know if it's durable or robust. And literally durable, robust, lasting. I mean, they literally use those words in the title of these peer-reviewed studies that happened long before he said that. Is he just not aware? It's just infuriating that we have to keep batting this stuff down. They are outrageously just simply lying, coming out and stating the the diametric opposite to what is finding, what the science is finding. Sort of like this. And this is a little bit different, but just recognize how ridiculous it is that that they're just countering their own information because this is an agenda. This is a massive agenda. Here's somebody pointing out, this is ridiculous, that TLAV, Doodleblog Now, has debunked this a thousand times. This platform is just a means for the ruling class to control your newsfeed, as they want to point out. This is from the New England Journal of Medicine. In a double-blind, random-controlled trial, which you should consider, right? Well, understand that any of these, whether uh, random-controlled trial, double-blind, observational, whatever it is, it can be influenced, manipulated by the person doing it, by the people funding it or the people manipulating the funders, however you want to look at it. So just always consider that. Nothing is off the table. Any science has already been shown to be manipulated, that it can be, from either side of this conversation. So the point is, double-blind, random-controlled trials should be the top level. So just consider that, and you should read this. Because, you know, maybe we're wrong. We should be willing to consider that. They found that ivermectin was administered within seven days after COVID-19 symptoms onset was shown not to be of any clinical benefit. Now, here's what's really interesting to me. Now, I'm not even going to go into this study today. I will. I'm, going, I'm planning on it. The point, and I, and I, looked, I looked at it already. The point is, is always, they're going to, the same points I keep making. Where, like, for instance, like saying, well, no, myocarditis caused the death, not the vaccine, even though the vaccine caused myocarditis. They do these weird little sidesteps. And it's not, a, it, not an unfair point, but it should be discussed properly where you go, well, yes, that still implicates that the vaccine caused it or whatever. That's how a lot of these studies work. But regardless of any of that, we now have, this double-blind controlled trial compared to, and this is just the one that I keep showing. As always, guys, when I just do these quick little points about ivermectin or mask, whatever else, please, if you just turn to the show and you've never seen it before, go to the website and look at the endless shows I've done on just ivermectin, just masks, just vaccine passports, just immunity, right? That I went over two hours about all the different points and grabbed it all together because these things have been debunked a hundred times over. I shouldn't even use the word debunk because that is now meaningless. It's been shown to be a misrepresentation from the very beginning. My point is simply this, just this article that is from September, 2021 from Science Direct, a peer-reviewed high-level study, ivermectin, a multifaceted drug of Nobel Prize honor distinction. No, I'm not saying it is a Nobel Prize winning drug because that would be slightly inaccurate. And that's how, that's one way they've tried to debunk this by making huge articles about, oh, no, it's not Nobel Prize winning, and then just dismissing everything else around that conversation. No, as I've said every time, a multifaceted drug of Nobel Prize on our distinction with indicated efficacy against COVID-19. Okay, so right now, just for the title, we've got multiple random control. Oh, I should read that part first. The study is about a multifaceted drug, or a, uh, where does it show it in here? They, where is it? Dang it. It's right in the, right in the top front, I thought. Okay, right there. Man, I can't believe I missed that. More than 20 random controlled trials they used in this meta-analysis. So right there, right out of the gate, you have more than 20 of the same thing finding the same thing. 
Over here, you've got one new one that's also a random controlled trial finding something different. So at the very least, you should weigh them and go, well, here's one versus 20. So that makes this more, more valid. But nope, just like with the masks and everything else, they put out their study, the one they like, and they point at that one only and say the rest of it's somehow now fake news or old. Like, because it was last week, it's now old. It's outdated. Look at the newest one. That's not how this works, guys. It's not just because it's the newest, the most recent article. The evidence around this is undeniably clear. 20 random controlled trials, more relevant in my mind because they were done before aggressive political manipulation around this entire topic, have tracked such inpatient and outpatient treatments. Now, six of seven of the meta-analysis of the treatments of random controlled trials reporting from 2021 found notable reductions in COVID-19 fatalities. Notable. Well, that's quite different than not to be of clinical benefit. That's the exact opposite, in fact. Then it says with a mean of 31% relative risk mortality versus controls, relative, but that's not the most important part. During mass ivermectin treatments in Peru, they excess deaths fell by 74%. Reductions in death correlated with the extent of ivermectin distributions in all 25 states. I mean, read this for yourself. This is unequivocal. But yet they come out with a new one and go, well, there you go. Over, debunked, new story. That's not how this works, but that's how everybody in one side of the narrative will, will go, well, that's New England Journal of Medicine, and that's the radical trial, and it says what you don't say, it's so fake news. Without even considering all the stuff from before, which is just as high-level, top-level evidence, random controlled trial, but a lot more of it. But here we are, and he's right. I'm going to be forced to debunk this over and over and over because we live in a controlled world. Now, on the note of these injections, which will continue despite the fact that we have all the information showing us that they're hurting a lot of people, Vaccine boosters now needed every six months for the foreseeable future, according to the UK government. That's this government right here, right? That's, this is this information that is hurting 90% of these people, right? Or even just take, in, in the case of deaths, 90 plus percent, whether 28 days or 60% of the people dying right now are people injected, 90%. And here they are saying, we're going to keep doing this forever, foreseeable future, every six months. That is literally counter to the science, counter to what we're looking at. And in Scotland, at the very least, look at the difference on the new booster. This is dose four. Look at that. Now, yes, it could change, right? This could pick up all of a sudden tomorrow, which it seems like it's slightly trying to pick up right there. This tweet was from, this is from Scotland Unity. This was from March 29th. But look at the difference, guys. Even the third dose, the gray one was immediate. But you know what? These people in particular roll the dice every time. Now remember, even if this is, let's say, 20% of people that take these are having severe problems, there's still 80% of people out there walking around going, I'm fine, you conspiracy theorists. I had a headache and I was fine. Not knowing that they're building blood clots and all these negative things that are happening in their body and the spike protein. They haven't caught on to that yet. It hasn't happened to them yet. But that's why they're saying, you're all fake. But then at some point, after three different versions of it, where they had more and more chance of getting it, clearly, they're not taking it now. Whether it's because they said, I've got three, I'm good. Or whether after my third, I got sick or my second or first or whatever. People are refusing dose four. Even those along with the narrative. What does that show you? Now, here's another example of how they're controlling this information. This is a doctor. Doesn't mean, you, you know, doctors can be dumb, smart, good up, bad, left and right, everything you could possibly imagine under the sun. 
but he is a doctor, which means that he has just as much potential that you should give him the same credence you do as any other doctor and the same skepticism, right? Not that you apply it only to people that aren't along with your narrative, but it says, I recently just got banned from YouTube because I had a discussion. A doctor had a discussion with another doctor about what they were seeing in their clinics. So real personal information about what they're seeing in front of them. It was labeled as medical misinformation by the fact checkers, by the opinion checkers. Amazing that they know better about what we're seeing in clinics than us doctors do. Unreal. And then I love this. I didn't even see this before. This person comes in with his I stand with Ukraine narrative and says, let me guess. Oh, great. Great. So you don't know the story. You're going to insert your hypothetical subjective opinion on top of what you And this is a doctor speaking about what he's seeing. And here's your response. Let me guess. You are attributing some sort of issue like myocarditis to being caused by the vaccine without completing any sort of tests or studies to produce the conclusion. No, no, he wasn't. You utter fool. But this person says, oh, testing means something now. I thought I was just blindly taking untesting medical experiments because my team told me that was, you know, this is vagabond pointing out the PCR tests are useless. But think about how crazy that is. This person has already decided what this person did without knowing that because narrative. Because anybody saying this must have done this because they wouldn't do it otherwise. These are the most ignorant, willfully deceptive people on the planet that have chosen a narrative like I stand with Ukraine and will die by it. Unreal. So Crypto Ninja knows more than this doctor because narrative. Let me guess. You did this. And let me guess, by attributing myocarditis as a possible cause, even though they've admitted that it does cause it, is somehow fake to you? Children, you are a child. They've admitted that it causes myocarditis. I mean, it just, it really makes me frustrated. Oh, and look, it says it right there. Oh, it did. And just went away. That's funny. Oh, there it is. Oh, that said something else. I thought it did a second ago. Anyway, the point is this. This is not fact-checking, guys. This is what, twi- this is what Twitter narrative-checking looks like. Twitter is simply upholding the chosen narrative. People like these doctors are the ones we should be listening to, not blindly trusting, but listening to. They have a right to say what they're seeing. So literally, when in the, t- t- ask yourself, whether what if he is seeing that? That's possible, right? They don't know for sure he's not seeing that. So if somebody actually sees that in their practice, says, I'm seeing lots of myocarditis after people who have said they got the shot, not that it caused it, but just because it could be, they're being censored. Simply because you're not supposed to be able to see that, even if it's there. How do we not see how obviously manipulated this is? That's my point, guys. I believe we do. I believe what we're seeing when we get pushed back is controlled of narrative control. Now, I'm going to talk to, uh, actually, I think we shifted on this. I don't think I'm going to be speaking to Taylor about this now because it looks like Willem has been released from prison, jail. And she's going to try to connect with him. But we were going to follow up on this. Apparently, Willem Engel or uh, Willem Engel, yeah, has been, it was arrested. She interviewed Willem. Here's the interview itself. It's entitled The Fight for Freedom in the COVID Age and the Battle for Your Very Humanity. He was arrested. Since Taylor's interview with him, he's been arrested for expressing his opinions and standing up for your rights. That's actually what happened. This is tyranny by an authoritarian force, plain and simple. Now, as I understand it, he has been released but there's still some suppression and manipulation going on. And so we're going to find out more about this. But this is what happens. Your people are being attacked for sharing the wrong factual opinion. And one last point, just to show you how controlled and manipulated our world is becoming and already has been. As an, an ICU nurse, taking some required training shares this from what they're learning at work. 
Look at what it says, guys. The question is, obesity is a result of overeating and not exercising. There's no nuance there. There's not saying, well, sometimes that can be true and sometimes it can be from something else. No, it just asks a basic question. Is a result of eating and not exercising? Overeating. And of course, the answer is right. True. That's the answer. No matter what anybody wants to push because politics, a child knows this, guys. Yes, you could put in there that there's a new nuance, a caveat that, yes, some people have disorders that cause them to be overweight. That's not what we're talking about, though. We're not talking about disorders that cause obesity. We're saying obesity in general is a result of overeating and not exercising. Yes, 100%. And that's not to fat shame or anything else. If you want to be overweight, that's your call. I don't care. Just know that doing so leads to problems. We all should know that. And then, of course, for that, and the big part of it is that we have shown that obesity is one of the largest deciders in whether or not you get severely ill in regard to getting something, especially respiratory illnesses or whatever else. But no, they said, no, it's incorrect. You did not select the correct response. You see what I mean? There's no nuance there. You're supposed to just say false. That's fake news. It's not because of eating and exercise, not exercising. Oh, really? This is literally rewriting reality in real time. Now, maybe it's because COVID, maybe because social justice politics. I don't know. But that's false. But these people are being forcefully trained otherwise. Now, on to the digital ID part of this. Now, where are we at? I'm over an hour. I want to try to wrap this up because I'm taking too long. I promise I'll be done soon for those watching out there that are waiting for me. From April 6th, 2022. So next week, or this week, rather. You know, next week, because it's Saturday. The Digital Identity Documentation Document Validation Technology, IDVT, in UK will be introduced to support employers and landlords with right to work. They don't even mention COVID-19. Isn't that strange? So why do we why is this necessary right now? Is this because of because of Ukraine? No. Okay. Well, is it, is it because COVID and we have to make sure? No. Okay, so then why was this all rationalized under COVID-19? And before all this, you knew people were very resistant to this, but now it's being pushed in after COVID without any moment of mention of COVID. Well, because this was always the agenda. If you can't see that now, you're choosing to be ignorant in this. This was pushed in before it was pushed back. It was pushed in aggressively during COVID around the idea of vaccinations, which, by the way, it's still a part of. They're just very loudly omitting that, right? It's a rare, that's a, a the, what's that? What's the phrase? The, uh, the, Silence is deafening, you know, in the, when they don't include that, when they, you know it's going to be used for that, it's very telling. But the point is, this has always been there. Don't forget the, uh, I think I can let me grab it real quick. There it is, perfect. Techno-solutionism, we wrote about this a while back. One of the people literally involved with ID2020, which by the way, don't forget, has your vaccination status tied to it, which was essentially your national ID for the U.S. This is back on June 22nd, 2020. She, she left the, prog- the program, calling it techno-solutionism, using immunity passports involved with the ID. She was telling you this was going to be included with digital currency, with your digital ID, te- vaccination status around COVID. Nobody wanted to pay attention. Well, here is the, here's where we are now. Now they're pushing this through regardless of COVID because this is the next step, the great reset, the reimagining of your world under a cover of pointing at Ukraine right now. Here is from the Republic of Estonia, an e-residency. Well, Estonia is the first country now to offer e-residency, a government-issued digital identity and status that provides access to Estonia's transparent business environment, a new digital nation 
for the world. Thank you for who sent this to me. The point is, this is because of Ukrainian, you know, immigration and refugees. And well, interesting how all the different narratives are all converging in the same justification or the same end game. Here's Forbes. This is as of May 14th, 2022. UK announces initial steps, initial steps for national digital identities. Well, this mentions COVID way the very last sentence. While the service was due to wound down by March 2020, pressures caused by the COVID pandemic meant that it was extended for three years. Now, this is in regard to, well, let me just read this part last. It says, and the government has, uh, it says, introduced, introduced in 2011, its Verify project, which was the first, this is what I was talking about, they tried before, was intended to simplify the process of accessing different government departments. However, while 25 million people are expected to sign up in 2020, well under a quarter actually did so. Exactly. People don't want this. That's very clear. They don't care what you want. While the service was due to be wound down, COVID-19 caused it to be pushed for. Yes. And now they're announcing the first steps of the national digital ID that's not even being used around COVID. Apple, March 23rd, launches its first driver's license and state ID wallet. Likewise, no mention of COVID-19. Isn't that strange? Even though it's all going to be used as the same thing. But don't forget about this. We just talked about this. This is the cover the coverage we did on January 15th. National digital vaccine card. Weird how the press didn't talk about that at all, even though it's a gigantic step, isn't it? Here's what it says. This is NBC. Quietly and over some obje- objections, a national digital vaccine card has emerged. Okay, so national digital vaccine card. Now, when you'll find in this, ob- this discussion, they're not talking about the digital ID in general. Of course not. They're not talking about anything other than their vaccine passport. But let's pretend because it's not connected, they're going to use the digital ID to make this happen at the same time. You know that's the case. These are one and the same. It makes no sense to make two different infrastructures for two of the same exact thing with a different name. This is already there. They already have this stuff laid out in front of you. Then finally recognize that this is happening from USAID as well. USAID, digital identity. Now, the reason I'm showing you this, because it's everywhere. You can find this in every possible point around this agenda. But this is this is digital identity in regard to both your country, but also how people enter the country, how people access other parts of the country, how they access aid around the world. This is being pushed in everybody. There may be no single factor that affects a person's ability to share in the gains of global development. Yeah, because that's what they're doing, right? To receive services and be represented as much as having an official identity. So they're forcing this. USAID is working to empower people. So all those people in Africa, whatever else, that have no need of this is being forced on them. That's what this is. Thank you for getting those spammers out of the chat. So my point in the crossover from digital to USAID is simply to show you that there's a lot of overlap here from Ukraine and COVID-19 or just whatever else is going on, bringing us over to the aggressive manipulation that we just exposed. And and rightly so from a lot of different outlets from a couple of days ago. I just want to make sure people saw this today. That the a overt and obvious verifiable member of USAID, or at least somebody that's working with them, was just posted as one of the people surviving the theater bombing that we know has been manipulated. We've already proven this to you that it's coming directly from people that are part of the Azov Battalion on the ground. No verification of it. In fact, there's been obvious examples that's not even what happened, including the fact that they were the ones, in fact, holding the people in the theater and people that have gotten away from that have proven that and said it on the record. But here, none of all the facts around this and showing you this was a lie aside, 
here is the one person they used to float this narrative. Christine Amapour, right? Miss, Miss CNN international anchor says everyone started, this is quoting what she says, I'll play it for you. Everyone started screaming that theater's on fire, so we should run and we ran, but Russians bombed it. Right? Ask yourself how, if she's in the theater, first of all, she knows that Russians bombed it. Yeah, that makes sense, right? You could, you saw the Russian bombs fall on you or you saw them shoot across the street. None of that's what happened, even by their narrative. So she somehow knows it was Russians despite being in there running for her life, because that makes sense. But here's what she says, first of all, before we show you what's really happening here. (laughs) Shoot. That's frustrating. I swear. Hold, give me one second. Bear with me. I swear I just downloaded this today. How interesting. That's very frustrating. 30 seconds. I want to I download this anyway, just because it's important. Pretty sure I'm going to hit download and it's going to say I have it somewhere that I missed it, which usually happens, but let's find out. Yep. <laughs> MMI. That's very frustrating. Apologies, guys, to deal with my little idiosyncrasies here. Here it is. This was the Mariupol Drama Theater before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. And remember, this was the theater, the area that's been controlled since 2015 forward, as I understand it, by the Azov Battalion. The entire town. The mayor himself. Right. And before that, they opened the there was open discussions about how these people were going to be attacked. On top of that, Russia came out and said they were going to carry out all sorts of atrocities here. Yeah, they could be lying, too. But why do we not need evidence for, you know, you dismiss one side, take one blindly on the other. These people have been caught lying about endless amounts of information coming out of Ukraine. But we'll just take the word for it on this because that's the point. And then they use a fake person or since a fake person, but somebody who is sub this would be like using a member of the CIA to argue what they said was fit was true a cultural and architectural symbol of the city. And when the Russian military laid its deadly siege of Mariupol, the theater became a safe haven. Six people, like with a cat, we go on the street and Russian tanks started to shoot in us and we're running with craziness and then we go to the theater and you know what? In the theater was a lot of people, they was like, be okay, we have a food, they give us a tea uh, and they said like, you should find a place where you could, uh, like, uh, like a bed. This woman and her family recently escaped from Mariupol. Okay, no mention whatsoever that she literally works with USAID. No mention, and I'll prove it to you next. That's dishonest at the very least, obviously. That's, I mean, that is the first thing that should say right there on the screen. So you know that. And that would, if they did show it, that would suggest that there was more validity to it because they wouldn't be trying to hide that from you, right? Is it possible that somebody who works for USAID could just happen to be there? Sure, it's certainly possible. But if, they, if that was just the way it worked out, they would have made sure you'd let you know that. And they didn't. But also recognize that there's been an endless amount of people from Patrick Lancaster and plenty of others on the ground that have been interviewing people fleeing from Mariupol, in, 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 in even regard to the theater. And they're telling you the exact opposite. My point is, yes, they could be lying too. But nobody's proven that. And yet here we are proving this person is working with the very entity that is the new CIA regime change mechanism, which is the fact. USAID, now a National Endowment for Democracy, it's what these people do. Now, not everyone involved with them are aware that they're doing that, but that is the reality. So now you've got an obvious potential plant versus an endless stream of people telling you the opposite. 
And yet everyone's dismissing all of that and saying, there you go, CNN said, without any due diligence. My name is Maria Kutnyakova. I'm from Mariupol. I'm Maria from Mariupol. On the morning of March 16th, Maria, her mother, sister and cat joined hundreds of other civilians sheltering in the theater. Footage from March 10th. Now, this is the I showed you this footage, except when you show more of it and you'll find out that these people are not wanting to be there, that most of them are being forced to be there and not allowed to leave or lied to or or manipulated, starved, not given electricity or food or water. And this is not my opinion. This is what people are saying that are fleeing these areas. Shows families huddled there in the dark, feeling protected, perhaps, by the signs Deity children in Russian that volunteers posted outside the building. Uh-oh. Now, doesn't that change the story a little bit? Like, are we seriously going to let them say this now? So now they're arguing that their own volunteers wrote that so that Russia doesn't bomb it. Did you, did you already forget what they, like 30 seconds ago, were saying, a gr- bleeding, frothing at the mouth, saying, I can't believe it. They wrote Russians, or they wrote children, so they knew to bomb it. Remember that? You, do you know who told them that? The Ukrainian government. Zelensky. How do we not, how do, I mean, CNN is aware of that. And they just skip right over it. So Ukraine's government openly lied to us about why it was children was written on the ground. Got caught for it. And now we go, oh, volunteers did it to, to warn them away. How about they just got exposed for proving that the Ukrainian government wrote that so they could frame and, pl- and claim Russia was bombing children. And in fact, then suggest that they weren't even the ones that bombed this. This was a false flag operation, which, by the way, the evidence very clearly backs up. I mean, really, guys, this is unreal. This is so incredibly obvious and, and childish. To say it again, the Western press reported because Ukraine told them, I just talked about this, that the Russian government wrote children on the ground so they knew where to bomb. That's what they said. That's what the Western press blindly reported. And now they just changed the narrative because it got caught. See, children in Russian that were in the dark. Feeling protected, perhaps, by the signs Deity, children in Russian, that volunteers posted outside the building. Shortly after arriving, Maria went to check whether an uncle who lived nearby was still alive. Now I hear in the noise of the plane, like bombs plane. We know how it's, uh, not, uh, you know, uh, how it's uh, this noise because it's bombed every day. She returned to the theater to find it destroyed. Now, she just so happened to be, you know, she left and came back and, oh, what do you know? It's all gone. Lucky you. So I understand that my family is etc. And uh, everyone uh, screaming the names, you know, like Mama, Papa, Lyosha, Sasha, and I'm sorry. And I've never wanted to really pick apart people's reactions because, you know, realistically, people don't deal with emotion the same. Right. So people always go, oh, look, they're smiling. Therefore, they're lying. That's not always the truth. People are just weird and awkward, especially on the TV or when they're upset and don't want to show it. But nonetheless, those things aside, I find her reaction to be dis- disingenuous. Like she doesn't seem th- th- rattled, upset at all. Like she, it's like she's talking about the, co- the the way the sky looks today. It doesn't make it just kind of seems strange to me. But as people are pointing out, yes, Patrick Lancaster has been in Mariupol on the ground this entire or the last so many weeks showing you exactly what is happening. And it directly contradicts what they're saying here. She's calling like mom, Gala. 
Footage of the immediate aftermath shows dazed civilians covered in dust. And these are the people that they're not speaking to, right? That are speaking on the record to people that they're fleeing and that they're being they're in Russia. They're in places where Patrick's talking to them and they're telling you on the record that they were held there, weren't allowed to leave. And then it got bombed and we're claiming that Russia did that for no strategic purpose. And yet they lied about who wrote children to try to blame them. And now they're shifting that to say, well, no, they wrote it to protect themselves. Yeah. Keep trusting them, guys, because you're an idiot if you're trusting people that keep lying to you and you keep getting caught lying. Well, the roof over the main auditorium had completely collapsed. When the theater was bombed, uh, my sister was standing with the window and the window was like blow up and she didn't she oh, well. fallen down. And my mom was in another part of the theater and wall. Uh, well, in the interest of time, guys, you can watch this for yourselves. I want to wrap this up here and I want to make this point very clear. So this is the person. There's her name right there. Maria Katinkova. Katanyakova. Okay. CNN just blindly stating this directly from their personal accounts, right? Zero mention of what her job is. Okay. So here, first of all, is where I first saw this. Here's Alina. Meet the witness, a PR representative for the USAID startup in Mariupol. And no, this is not the only piece. We'll show it you a second just to show you the, the images they're showing. That is definitely her. That's her name and everything. That's the image I used today with the USAID sticker right on her laptop, which in and of itself doesn't prove much. But here is the video itself. That's her name right there. That's definitely her. And just for the record, just in case, just in case there's any, and you know, I, I, I appreciate those that are especially skeptical, right? That's written in Ukrainian. Here it is translated just to be sure. Okay. That's her. That's her name right there. And that's her right there. Same name, same person. Okay. Here it is. No, I want to, I just, I was going to look through a couple parts of this and I had, we can do the translation. I can come back to this, but I wanted just to show you the part where, I mean, I don't necessarily have to since it's, it's obvious, but there's, you know, just the USAID connection. Right. That's what we're talking about. Any case, so the bottom line is this is she's a, she is obviously somebody who has an unofficial capacity working with these companies. Right. There it is. Hold on. You can see the image right there. The point is that it's in they, they show you the, U, the USAID is, is the part that's the, the group associated with what this is, what this is for, what they're doing. It's right here. Oh, maybe that's the beginning right there. Ah, whatever. I don't want to waste too much time. I should have had it queued up. The bottom line is, guys, that so when they're being used as an individual in front of the camera, sort of like the way that, remember, I think, who was it? Was it Don Lemon or one of these people way back in the earlier that was used as somebody that was supposed to be oh, someone on the scene? And then it turns out they were a cameraman for CNN. No, 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 it was that other guy. I forget his name now. But the point is, they do this all the time. They do this all the time. And that, by the way, I mean, these, you know, you guys can find it for yourself, guys. This is obvious information. The point is clearly that there's more happening here. And to understand what USAID is a part of is to understand what the new, you know, 
regime change apparatus actually looks like today. As the Washington Post wrote back in 1991, Innocence Abroad, the new world of spyless coups. We are now living in an age of overt action. And it's definitely what's happening. Right? We're in a position where these people are continuing to, they're doing exactly what, like what they've always done, but on the surface, on the surface. One moment, guys. There we go. So National Endowment for Democracy, USAID, all these different kind of supposedly non-governmental organizations are very clearly, and, and they say on the record, we do today what the CIA used to do in clandestine fashion, you know, whatever, 50 years ago. If, paraphrasing a quote they've said themselves. Here is Corbett Report, which you should very clearly watch more so than read the Washington Post article, but check out both. NGOs are the deep state's Trojan horse. That's what these things are. They go in under guise of helping and providing aid. And what they do is ship in weapons and regime change up and bring in CIA. And this, this is not my opinion, guys. They argue this is in the interest of freedom. That's how they get away with this stuff. So when you see a person who, who very clearly is connected and works with USAID, who's represented as one of the most, one of the survivors from a very suspicious and verifiably shown to be false attack, we need to see that they're involved, whether it's CNN just blindly posting what they're told to post, or they know that's the case. We are being deceived in real time, and it's never been more obvious. Now, there's been plenty of outlets that have already covered this. I just thought this one in particular needed to be, make sure that my audience sees this, because it's going to keep happening. Now, lastly, I wanted to make this point clear again, just to finish up on a couple points in regard to the CIA involvement historically. Somebody shared with me another po- another just Wikipedia page that was very revealing. This is in regard to not just the Alza Battalion, guys. Documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. Now, I'll show you that briefly in a moment again, but I want to show you what they sent to me. This is called the Nachitogal Battalion. The point is, this is also known as the Ukrainian Nightingale Battalion Group. they And it says, uh, was the subunit under command of the German Special Operations Unit. The Oberwehr, which was the German military intelligence service for during World War II. The Nazis. Now it says, it was composed of volunteer Ukrainians operating under Stefan Bandera's organization of Ukrainian nationalists, the OUN, which again is the group that was used by the CIA in 1948 going forward to create fascism. Or, and they admit themselves, I'll show you, that wasn't currently there. Not in, it was a dying entity, essentially. They picked it out of obscurity and made it a thing in New York and in Ukraine. Here's the one part. Prior to Operation Barbasoa, the Stephen Bandera's organization of Ukrainian nationalists sought themselves contact with Nazi Germany and, in fact, received the training there in order to use it as an opportunity to restore independence of Ukraine. Right. So the entire U- Ukrainian nationalist movement that they used to, and the, the very idea of seeking their own independence was rooted in the Nazi communications or in the, the coordination with the Nazi party, specifically in Germany. So going back into verify the point about this, guys. This is Makola Labed, who was at the time, and it, this this was 1999, I believe, was one of the only few remaining top level leaders of the organization of Ukrainian nationalists. Okay, he's the guy who they used, and of course that group itself 
The ideology of this is described as similar to Italian fascism, right? Nationalism is not inherently in itself bad. But when it becomes extremist, borderline fascism, that's a, that's a problem for anybody because they're extremists and they, are, they act out against – the point is they're calling it fascism, not just nationalism. And, of course, the point is they previously sought out and worked with the Nazis in Germany. Okay, so the point is this guy, Mike Mikola Lebed, is the person the CIA sought out to work with in Ukraine in 1948. And they knew he was an extremist. Okay, he was, as it says right here, the follow-up report from the IWGs, uh, this from the U.S. government's report from the CIA. It says, in 1949, he immigrated to the United States, lived in New York. Now, through Prologue, which was a CIA-funded organization, he gathered intelligence on the Soviet Union as late as the 1960s. The CIA project name for the operation was Aerodynamic. The report stated that in late 1991, all the way in 1991, the CIA, for fear of compromising the operation and triggering outrage within the Ukrainian community, shielded Lebed for prosecution for war crimes by preventing the United States from investigating him from his overt wartime connections to the Nazis. In 1930-1932, he took an active part in setting up youth groups of the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists in and around Lviv. Lebed was described as, quote, Ukrainian fascist leader of suspected Nazi collaborator and later labeled as well-known sadist and collaborator of the Germans by United States Army counterintelligence. The point is, guys, they knew this was a terrible person. They knew he was a Nazi war criminal. They knew that. They chose him for that. From 1949, Lebed lived in the United States. So one year after they set this up, they set him up in New York with Prologue Company, a shell company for the CIA, and they let him go. During 1952 and 1974, he headed the research paper prologue in New York. Now, here's the point of all of that. Here is the CIA document that lists this. Project Aerodynamic operates through Prologue Research Company, which was established in 1953 to conduct clandestine activities of ZPUHVR, which, in the, which the discussion here is simply a group of Ukrainian nationalists that want to bring this back in this country. Now, Mr. Mikola Lebed was appointed as president of this shell company, in the, and by the way, which again is a crime because the CIA is not supposed to be operating in the United States. And he became the principal agent for Project Aerodynamic, this open wa- Nazi war criminal. Open, open. And on top of that, guys, this is a guy who was arrested for and convicted for the murder of the Polish interior minister. Was put to death, was sentenced to death for it, and only escaped when, when, when Germany invaded Poland. Now, how did that happen? Okay, so this guy is a terrible person that the CIA plucked out of obscurity to be this person, to lead this, this aerodynamic agenda in New York and in Ukraine. He is one of the six individuals that was aware of the CIA support. Now, it says that this group, through the Prologue Research Company in New York, the cover organization established to conduct its clandestine activity, contributes to the Ukrainian nationalist ferment. They knew this is what they were driving. And it says in 1948, the agency chose to work with this group because it was the official representation of the internal resistance movement in Ukraine, just like they foment these groups anywhere else, whether or not they're terrible. Now it says, and also because it was the most oper- operationally reliable and, of course, most politically acceptable, because w- open Nazi war criminals that murder people in, in political situations are the most politically acceptable, right? Why? Because that's what they're looking for, guys. Just like every other person on history that in, on record they funded and armed and worked with and then later thrown to the bus or thrown to the Soviet Union or in this case Russia because they want those people. It is true an internal movement does not actively exist. 
However, many members of the old movement, plus many of the supporters are alive today and feeling of nationalism is still there. The point is they're the reason pointing at the Azov battalion right now, pointing at the fascist roots and the entire government they put in place there is there because the CIA cultivated it from 1948 forward. They said it. They're not there right now, but we can make that happen using these people. That's the point. And then, of course, going back to this, we realize that it dates back to the entire organization itself working with Germany and the Nazis. Then, of course, don't forget, as I pointed out before, the CIA's declassified documents that very clearly show you the U.S. government collaborating with the Nazis. But who cares about all of that or the fact that history shown that 35 different countries around the world, and it's more than that, that the U.S. government has supported fascists, drug lords, terrorists. But none of that matters because it's all about Putin, right? Now, I'm not even remotely suggesting that he's not just as guilty of the same things. I'm simply pointing out that your government is lying to you and is actively creating a false story to hide what they are doing. It's that clear. Now, on that, just on that note, since I forgot to include them, important that you guys make sure you understand the backstory around this story. Actually, I'll just leave it at that. That's the, that's the one you should check out. Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. This goes from 2015 forward, or really before that, but it focuses on the Azov Battalion and what they are. They're creating the new Al-Qaeda. This is the new, this is the white supremacist threat they're building to throw at your feet and blame Russia. That's what the point is, in my opinion. And now to last part on biolabs, the Pentagon says, and this is the best part. I, I, I laughingly said, this is a birthday present to me today. The Pentagon says, guess what, guys? There's no offensive bioweapons <laughs> at the U.S. linked Ukraine labs. Oh, okay, so they're defensive bioweapons. That's great. A Pentagon official told Congress on Friday. There are no offensive biological weapons of, in any of the dozens of U.S.-linked labs. So now we're admitting that there's as much as 42 different labs, but they only have defensive bioweapons, right? Quote, this is, quote, I can say to you unequivocally, there are no offensive biological weapons, biologic weapons in the Ukraine laboratories that the United States has been involved with. Oh, you mean those ones that you guys moments ago said were fake news? Yep, those ones. This is Deborah Rosenbaum, the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Nuclear, Chemical, and Biological Defense Programs. So she knows. The Pentagon funds labs in Ukraine through its Defense Threat Reduction Agency. According to a Pentagon fact sheet released last month, since 2005, the U.S. has, quote, invested $200 million in, quote, supporting 46 Ukrainian laboratories. Right, but this was fake news, though, right? Moscow has accused Ukraine of conducting emergency cleanup of a secret Pentagon-funded biological weapons program when Russia invaded. The WHO said it advised Ukraine to destroy high-threat pathogens that don't exist, apparently. For their part, the U.S. maintains the program, and Ukraine, is, a, is in other former Soviet states, is meant to reduce the threat. It's dual use, guys. It's just narrative. They can be weapons. They can be whatever else they want to claim. While downplaying the threat, in my opinion, by the way, there's no other variants there. It's just their weapons. These are these are research for for weapons or the idea of vaccines with a weapon. Like that should be just because you make a vaccine for the weapon doesn't change the fact that it's a weapon. While downplaying the th the threat of the labs, Pentagon officials have also warned that they could still contain Soviet era bioweapons. <laughs> right? That's the absurd part of it. You can't downplay it's there. They're not weapons, but they're weapons if they have them. So they're weapons then, you children. Robert Pope, the director of the, of the DTRA's Corp Cooperative Threat Reduction Program, told the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists in February that the labs might contain Soviet bioweapons that warned the fighting in Ukraine could lead to the release 
right, setting up the false flag narrative. The Biden administration tried to portray any concerns about the labs as Russian propaganda. But when the issue gained more media attention, well, of course, then they say something different. Biden officials started accusing Moscow of plotting to use the things they moments ago said didn't exist. Isn't that great? Why do we not laugh at these people? Of course, the U.S. has presented zero evidence, as always, to back up their claims. Here is Washington Examiner. No offensive biologic weapons in Ukraine, says the Pentagon. How ridiculous, guys. Now, I wanted to play this clip for you real quick. This is uh, uh, Delanya talking to or calling out Robert Tadlek. And this is from a recent interview with Taylor Hudak. I just want us to see the way that the world community, the supposed international community, responds to valid criticism in the right context when it's something they don't want you talking about. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually pretty incredible. Let me just cue this up for you real quick. This is 4658. Mr. Cadlick, I love it. I love how he was a central point in Whitney's coverage and, and my coverage as well after Whitney's articles around this topic. And now he, you know, and, and he, he is centrally involved in all of this. You, I recommend you look up Robert Cadlick on T-Lab or Unlimited Hangout and read the work. Questions? to the U.S. Uh, Assistant Secretary of Health, Robert Kadlik. He got very angry. Why has the Pentagon been operating military pilot laboratories in 25 countries, bordering on the U.S. Uh, main rivals, Russia, China, and Iran? And why has the number of deadly outbreaks in all those countries increased dramatically since the start of the military program of the United States in these countries? Now, before he answers, guys, just his smile right there. Are we really pretending like that's not a valid question? Right? No one even wants to get into whether or not those things are happening because they very clearly are. There are people, there's all sorts of weird things popping up around Fort Detrick, around bases all around the world. So she's not saying, why are you responsible for this? And that's, that, that's, what, he, that's what he's laughing about because he wants to pretend what her argument is, his conspiracy theory. So like, you know, wink, wink, insinuating that they're doing it, which, by the way, she does think. But that's not what she asked. She simply said, how do you explain this? And his answer is to go, there are no biological weapons. That's not even remotely what she asked you. Explain to us why nobody cares that this is exploding around every lab you have. I mean, guys, the response and the way they conduct, the way they respond to this, in my opinion, is more, more clear than any kind of answer they could have given. I will just say unequivocally and undeniably, the U.S. does not have a military biological weapons program. Period. End of statement. Uh, Number two, we have been working, and I do know for the Department of Defense, they've been working with partners in parts of the world to ensure that those laboratories, and we train them on how to do diagnostic tests on these diseases, to ensure that they can manage them and also safely secure those pathogens so they're not accessible by terrorists or by criminals who would do ill with them. Oh, you mean like the Azad Battalion, who's openly said they're going to do that? Yeah, not like them though, right? Or the fact that it's verifiable that these things are not just being stored, that on the record, multiple times, they've sent in their own documentation that these experiments, that they're using dual-use material, all these things have been stated. You think Robert Cadlick doesn't know that? So for either he's lying because he's trying to, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter. He's lying to you, period. Now, you could ask whether or not he's lying and covering up a bio program because he's part of some large agenda or because maybe he just is too stupid to know that it's actually happening. Either way, he's lying to you about that reality. 
because that's not true. They're not just storing pathogens. They're working on these things, and it's all on the record. While all these projects classified information, exactly. all these laboratories uh, of the Pentagon in 25 countries across the world, why are they classified information? All right, except they, they wouldn't be classified if they were just some threat reduction program. Right. They wouldn't be not allowed to even go look at these labs like plenty of independent people have tried and been refused for if they were just what they said they were. Right. And yes, the answer is yes. And anybody honest can say that. They're not classified. They're openly uh, available to anyone who wants to look at them. No, oh. I've tried. Uh, okay, okay, okay. No, this is not true. They're classified information. The, the organizer of this conference, um, she didn't uh, uh, let me continue my questions no 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 you had Why? your chance it's not an investigation here i'm very Why sorry you're talking about uh, of about course but i will not let you look at cadlick laughing what a villain, right? I mean, this guy just loves the fact that he's got power over the situation. The fact that, I mean, we, he knows that she knows. And that's what he loves, that the powerful are shutting down genuine investigation. And by the way, I should point out, this is the right context to ask these questions. Not to give you the word like this. We, we try to answer your questions, but that's not the place. Case closed. Thank you very much. Oh, and uh, later we were uh, expelled by the organizers of this conference, not only from the conference, but from the European Parliament. And, Think about that. Uh, me and the cameraman was very humiliating because this was the exact place where I was supposed to ask my questions. And remember, guys, that she simply said, how do you explain something that's on the record? End of question. That's it. That is it. So how do you explain this thing that we can all see? And they, they go, well, you don't have weapons. Well, she didn't even ask if you have weapons. So that's very revealing, right? But on top of that, they just shut down questions. They force her out of the room. They force her out of the building for asking a valid question. How does that not reveal everything? Something's being covered up. I mean, there's no way around that. This was a conference on biological weapons. At the same time, she said that this wasn't the place to ask my question. And where where is the place to uh, ask my question? Exactly. Uh, questions. If I can't do it in the European Parliament in Brussels during a conference on biological weapons, where am I supposed to ask my questions? So he. Right. Exactly. Because anywhere else you would get shut down for being right. If you try to do it a press briefing, they would shut you down. You know, it's it, you know that there's no. They would stop the conversation because that's the whole point, guys. Now, please check out this interview with Taylor. She did an outstanding job as always. U.S. funded bio labs encircle U.S. enemies with dangerous experimentation. It's all very easy to prove. And I'll just let you guys include these so you guys can check them out for yourselves. More information as the people. This is an artilleryman of the APU in the area of Marinka. Calculation number of artillery, 152, and it basically says it was a calculation that fired on Dunyek's proving Azov's shelling civilians. Now, you can watch this for yourself. Be skeptical of it like anything else you would watch, but this stuff is coming out everywhere. A senior lieutenant. They say with the CIA, with the sign called Belmark, he's an airborne training instructor, reported, repeatedly participated in anti-terrorist operations in a helicopter. He was sitting behind a machine gun and provided fire. Here is Patrick Lancaster continuing to show you what's going on on the ground. You just can't keep dismissing this stuff, guys. These are people in Mariupol, different locations, different people, not even just from Patrick. There's plenty of other outlets doing the same, and they're all giving you the same picture. 
And people are saying, we were fired on by Ukrainians. The Russian people are protecting us over and over and over. Yes, they could be lying. I don't think, but that's where you have to, you have to accept and be open to these different possibilities because it's unreal how obvious it is on one side. Now I'm going to follow up this on another show. I was planning on doing that anyway, but I just want you guys to see this is happening, right? This was yesterday, I believe. Kremlin threatens to walk out of Ukraine peace talks after accusing Ukrainian helicopters of attacking oil facility inside Russia. Now, explain to me how there's a benefit. Jesus, these, it's so funny. These trolls just love to push into our chat. It's just embarrassing. Like they just keep new accounts, keep coming back because the whole point is they want our chat to look like it's garbage. It's just, it's perfect. But I, I love it. Keep, just keep coming. We'll keep censoring you. So I, I enjoy it. The point is we're simply recognizing Ukraine peace talks in the middle of peace talks while we have Ukrainian actions stopping this. Now, this is, you could argue it didn't happen or Russia's lying about it. The bottom line is Zelensky has already made these arguments. He's already made this statement. He already come up and made statements while they were in peace talks about how Russia shouldn't be allowed to talk or they shouldn't be allowed to exist. All these different things while they're supposedly in peace talks. Is that what the president does when they want peace to end? No, that's what you do when you want to stop peace talks. So we have a lot, there's a lot of evidence suggesting, and I'm going to dig into it further, that this was obviously a Ukrainian attack. I don't really, I mean, you could argue there's a benefit for Russia to stage something like this, to be able to just, I mean, but you know, that, that's certainly possible. But ask yourself why that would make sense. Because it clearly got bombed, which hurts them during sanctions. But on top of that, that it's, it's not going to work out for them because they're just going to dismiss it in the Western press anyway. So it doesn't seem like it makes strategic sense to me, but it's certainly possible. But it's a week after the West warned Putin is planning a false flag on his own cities to justify escalating the war. Yeah. Right. So Putin's going to bomb inside Russia to do what? You see what I'm saying? Like, you could argue that this would make sense, but you don't need. He's already in Ukraine. He's already invading and he already has a clear justification that not, hasn't changed. Like, my, I'm, not try, I'm just trying to be logical about this. Why would he even need to bomb inside of his own country? To escalate. Has he need? I mean, he's already set the narrative and he's been escalating without anything. You see what I'm saying? Like, we need to be, we can't be so childish about this. Would he do something like this? I have no doubt in my mind. But just because the West floats something, like, think about how funny it was in the beginning. They said, Putin's saying things because he's setting up his own false flags. Well, why don't we ask that about the government that's been openly caught doing that over and over and over? That the West, or specifically the U.S. government, might come out and say, Putin's planning false flags. To do, and he's going to do this exactly. And then the Isa Battalion does it. They go, see, see, he did that. Where's the evidence of any of it? There's not. That's the point. But the West has come out with their narrative, and that's what they do. Russian alleges Ukrainian helicopters struck the Belgrade fuel depot. Now, isn't it funny how this doesn't say Ukraine's bombed the depot? Russian sources. No, it just says Russian alleges this, implying that they're lying. And you can read the whole thing, and it's slanted very clearly. That that's not what Ukraine says, so it's probably fake news. There's really not much more than the fact that it was bombed. They're in the middle of a wartime situation. It's a very counter, it's a very self-sabotaging action to take while you're being sanctioned during times of obvious discussions of resources and oil and everything else. I mean, it's just stupid. It's like bombing your own food. It's stupid. But it works for them to say he did it because he wants to do what? To escalate something he's already continuing to do? It's just stupid. It really, I mean, this looks like something Ukraine pulled off and the U.S. is kind of roped into going along with, just like that happened in Syria. But Ukraine denies revenge strike on major, you know, of course they do. Of course. 
But that's where we'll have to wait and see what pans out. The bottom line is, it's about the evidence we have in front of us, guys. And it's undeniable that you have been deceived over and over and over and over and over and over and over by the Ukrainian government. And I'm sure the Russian government is absolutely capable of and would do it too. No question. And I think I've seen at least one example of that actually happening so far in this situation. Because governments lie to you. But we have to recognize where the illusion is coming from right now. And it's overwhelming. Oh, and by the way, I thought this was sort of strange that March 27th, like last week, Biden lashes out at Putin. Russia bombs oil facility in Ukraine. Weird how that kind of just got, that didn't really, there was a story, but it kind of went away. Maybe this was a little bit of a jump start. Yeah, who knows, right? Just recognize how funny and weird and convoluted this all is about this wasn't really a story, but the other one, oh my God, it's a thing, but it was in Russia's territory, but it doesn't, really make, it doesn't make sense. It seems like they're trying to piece together this kind of piecemeal manipulation of false flags that they bungled right in the beginning and lied about a kindergarten that was in fact in the Dunyak's territory. And they said that Russia bombed it in their territory and they just kind of shuttled it away really quietly because it was an obvious manipulation that they carried out. I mean, it's just to keep getting caught lying. I showed you how they kept using that same corner in that area in, I think it was in Mariupol and they claim these people were bombed. There's people on the ground and they used, and there's no blood, there's no destruction, but they keep laying bodies there and saying that's where they got killed. It keeps happening. We just need to recognize guys that if you really want to understand who the group is, that's continued to lie and manipulate and regime change and sabotage and attack groups that don't deserve it, recognize that that's the U S government that in no way is it suggest that we're talking about only one side being a problem. It's just being honest with yourself about how you're being deceived. Just take referrals in the podcast, guys. I could list this off, but it would take me 10 minutes. Endless list, and this isn't even all of them, of governments and countries and locations that the U.S. government has bombed, sabotaged, or regime changed, or attempted to regime change. That's the world we live in. It's time to be honest about it. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate you all so much more than you realize. It's just, it's so important that we continue to do this and continue to fight because it is nowhere close to being over because it never really will be, guys. It never really will be. There will always be somebody trying to capitalize on what they can manipulate in front of you. That's just how the world works. So as always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.